You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. You know what I love about the podcast world? Connections and worlds overlap all the time, and it's so much fun when it does. And today's episode is because of a connection I made with two former guests. And let me tell you what, I am so grateful for Natalie and Nicole, who have both also been on the show, for introducing me to Mary, because today's conversation is so rich and good and full. For a lot of different reasons, I'm not going to spoil it all, but I want to introduce you to Mary Morantz before we start today's episode. She grew up in a single-wide trailer in rural West Virginia. She was the first of her immediate family to go to college. Then she went off to get a law degree from Yale. (laughs) After ditching six-figure salary law firm offers in London and New York, she started a business with her husband, Justin, and now they've built a successful online platform for creative entrepreneurs. But she also has a podcast too. It's called The Mary Morant Show. And today's conversation is all about her first book, Dirt, Growing Strong Roots and What Makes the Broken Beautiful. She talks all about what it was like to grow up in this trailer. She knows what it feels like to be broken and disqualified because of the muddy scars that leave smudge prints, she says, across her life. Dirt is a story of healing. She shares the most honest truths and hard-earned wisdom. This episode is for anyone that's ever walked into the world and felt like their scars were on display, that you maybe have felt disqualified because of your scars, or you didn't really want the fake sympathy from people because of the places you've been through. But it's also for the girl that doesn't feel like she has a story. Mary and I both pray that you leave this episode feeling that although your scars are on display, that you are braver, better, and more empathetic because of what you've survived, not in spite of it. Mary, thank you so much for being on Behind the Bliss with me today. I am so excited. And what listeners don't know is we just chatted for like five minutes before you even started recording. (laughs) Those are the best. That is the best. Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I feel like there are just like some people where you're just like, oh, we're going to be friends and it's going to happen really fast. And I feel like that just happened. It was like we just had a whole podcast episode before we even hit record, which is great. But we'll bring it back for you guys listening. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but – um, I really I feel like I ran into you in this fun world because I had Natalie Frank on the show yes, and in episode 104, if y'all want to go back and re-listen, but Natalie is so great. How can you not love Natalie? Oh my gosh. But at the end, we were kind of like chit-chatting after recording before we like hung up and she said, Rachel, you've got to meet my friend, Mary. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it is, but you guys just go give me both the same feelings. And I think that you guys could be a power couple friendship. Uh, yeah. And so I instantly looked you up and got back in touch. I was like, okay, please be on my show. And oh, here you are. <laughs> I love that. That Let me tell you, that woman, Natalie Frank, um, gosh, I've probably known her for I'm going to say seven years right now. I don't know. Maybe longer. Wow. But like a long time. And like I've watched her walk through. I'm sure that you guys went into a lot of this on the show, like a brain tumor and like starting, you know, trying to start a family and just like the, this like grace and strength that she's carried herself with. But like no matter what she's walking through to still just constantly be thinking of others, like, Mm -hmm. um, man, I don't know. She's just one of those people where you're like, 
okay, cool. So I still got a lot to work on in terms of like better <laughs> humaning because like she's just yeah. such such a great one. Natalie, we love you. Yeah. We love you. Um, and then also what was so funny is, so we had scheduled the show, like scheduled a time to chat like we are now. And I think like two weeks ago, Nicole Zazowski reached oh, out and was like, hey, yes. I don't know if you know, but my friend Mary, oh, y'all would get yes. along so well. And so I felt so affirmed. I was like, yes. I was like, yes, she is coming on the show. It's going to be awesome. Oh, <laughs> and I, then here we are. I feel like that's like a group we have to get together and, and anybody listening who wants to come hang out too. Like, I just feel like the four of us need to have coffee. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're really great. Like we were saying early before we started recording, we are a great combination of threes and fours on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And with that, we would be have lots of fun and we would all leave changed. Yeah, that's right. Because I feel like achievers kind of can get a bad rap sometimes where it's like there's this version of an achiever that they're only out for themselves. But I think especially mm-hmm. like – you know, because the three is there on either the helper side or just the like really, really like, you know, the empath side, like we feel other people's emotions, like achievers can be some of your most encouraging friends if they're, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're in a a healthy place as it were. Yeah. (laughs) I love encouraging people and seeing growth, not because of me by any means, but because like, I think we as threes have a lens to see excellence differently than other people do. And so other people assume like, oh, I'm operating in excellence. And I'm like, yes, but you even could do more. Like (laughs) there's always up and up to go. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. Yep. Just have to be careful to not be critical. (laughs) What is your husband on the Enneagram? You know, we just had an identity crisis with him <laughs> because we were listening to Annie F. Downs' um, Enneagram Summer, yeah, her shows that she does, and we have thought he has been a nine since we even started this journey because yeah. he hates confrontation, like doesn't shut down, but you can just tell he's not having it. Um, and it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be bold confrontation. It can just be like a hey, like how are you doing? It's just he doesn't want to go there. Mm. Um, and so I was thinking maybe nine, and he really related to nines and. But the more we started thinking, like studying the why, we think he's a seven. Actually, we know he's a seven because he doesn't, he doesn't not want to go there. He doesn't mind, but it's just not fun. Like he'd rather go play golf. He'd rather go play a board game than like talk about our feelings. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So Justin's um, for a long, same sort of thing, but um, different results. So for a long time, I was like, well, he's definitely a two because he's just got such a servant heart. Yeah. And th- but he's also got this like really like one of his driving values is justice. So like we were reading more about the perfect, you know, the number one, the perfectionist um, or they're called something else, but sometimes the perfectionist and this just, like heart that they have for like fairness. And when they see like injustice happening, whether it's like in the world or in, on, on like small scale things that like really causes them to move into action. And then I read um, Ian Morgan Cron's Road Back to You, and it just like all clicked that he's actually, I really believe now, at nine, his value is like to be at peace. Like, and like just injustice disrupts that peace. But he's also, um, mm. you know, nines are sort of the sweethearts of the Enneagram, and that's totally. Justin for sure. And he's just, he also happens to have like the love language of service. So I'm pretty convinced now that he's a nine wing one. Wow. I have a lot of friends that mistype themselves as twos, but mm-hmm. are actually nines. Yeah. And I think it's because that they're selfless. Everyone loves them and wants yeah. to be around them and needs their help, but for a different reason, you know? Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> I love this topic. And it also, it's just so fun. You can actually kind of get to know someone really quickly. Like we yeah. did five minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Oh, love it. What have you kind of been doing with your time recently? I'm so <laughs> curious because I feel like every day for me looks so different. 
afraid. To, I'm just trying to survive. Oh, do you hear me laughing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, time. That's funny. Um, well, so as we're recording this, I am like two days shy of it being one month till my book comes out. And so Ooh. my, you know, like there's, I, we also, we used to use this joke with wedding photography because Justin and I were, we had a wedding photography business for 15 years together. And I would always say like, you know, every day I go to a wedding, I'm always like, today I will be Zen and today I will yeah. like go in and I will be like the, the peace in the room, you know, I'm very calm. And then you get there, like you think that a wedding is going to be like, especially in the morning, like really calm, but the approximate pace of a wedding is, ah, <laughs> and that's basically the approximate pace of my life right now is just, ah, <laughs> um, that's where I'm going with that. And so, yeah, I feel like we sort of like, we're at that moment in the book launching where a lot of things are, um, like culminating at the same time. And so last week, for example, into this week, we both launched our launch team and I was recording the audiobook for like, you know, eight or nine hours a day in the studio. So like I'm trying to, you know, get people at, you know, like we had a team helping us, but we're trying, I'm trying to like be in the Facebook group of the launch team, but yeah. also like I'm in this tiny little box that looks like Hannibal Lecter's cell um, <laughs> recording the audiobook with all these like crazy, you know, triangle spongy things on the wall that absorb the sound. Yeah. And, um, you know, coming home from that and like writing, finishing up the bonus content for the audiobook, but also like writing the next day's email. So it was, I mean, it's the last, I would say like month, you really, we really started to feel that like temperature kick up and that like volume kick up of just like, whew, we are like in this now. We've been talking yeah. about it and now we are in it. So uh, I have a goals coach. Her name is Kim Butler from the White Boardroom. And like, she texts me daily, like, what are your rhythms? What are your like mm. non-negotiables? What are the things you're doing to keep Mary the organic human well taken care of? Because we're really just like house plants, you know. With wow, I want a Kim. Oh, girl, <laughs> I will connect you because she's amazing. I give her like uh, I don't even know the percentage of like ninety nine point nine percent credit for. I hired her four years ago because I wanted to write a book, and we had to like clear my calendar and like restructure yeah. our business and like do all of this stuff, and now, you know, she gets like, I don't know, as many paragraphs as my husband does basically in the acknowledgments. Um, so if you have like a big goal like that, like writing a book or just doing something you you keep getting stuck on, she is your yeah. girl for sure. Wow. And now the book's here. So thanks, Kim. Yeah. And all the people that made it happen because y'all listening. Wow. Like I cannot even wait to just dive in and just ask you all of these questions that I mm. have as a reader and now as a friend, because I'm so curious where all of it came from, which I sort of know, but I know there's more to it. So I want you to just take a second to tell us all about your new book, Dirt, mm. Growing Strong Roots and What Makes the Broken Beautiful, because it comes out soon. And I want people to get some good behind the scenes, like, oh, that's why she said that kind of yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, so the book Dirt, um, which is like um, – What's been kind of interesting in, in like meeting with my publisher all the way back last September at our first kind of like brainstorming session and also doing all of these interviews is it's kind of an unusual title for the book. And yet it's like the title that I always just like, I don't yeah. know, like do you ever have those things where it's just like when you stumble upon them, it's like, oh yeah, that's what it was always meant to be. Yes. Um, so like the cover actually is another example. I thought the cover was going to look very, very different. I thought it was going to be like very, very dark. Uh, like a night sky. I thought it was going to be like an illustrated version of the trailer I grew up in. It never even occurred to me to use this photo of the trailer I grew up in that I'd used in like talks I'd given for years. But as soon as like I saw it, I was like, oh, 
that's what it was always meant to Which be. Which is perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the book is a memoir. It is a nonfiction story of me growing up in a single wide trailer in West Virginia on the top of a mountain called Fenwick Mountain and eventually going on to Yale Law School. But And so the book is divided into two parts. There's the girl in the trailer that kind of tells the story of me growing up. Then there's this like hard divide in the middle and then it's the girl after and it sort of picks up with me in college. And what's kind of cool is that the Yale Law School part actually happens in like the if you're if you're thinking of part two, it's like the end of the second chapter in part two and like the third chapter in part two. And then there are all these other chapters because one of my favorite parts of the whole book is there's like, you know, this opening of chapter 13 where it says, hey, um, you know, there's a reason why most of the movies where somebody gets everything they ever want, that's when the credits roll and the music swells and we flip the channel. And I believe there's a reason for that because we don't typically make movies about what happens once everyone gets everything they ever wanted. And it's like talking about like, we're underdog people, get out of here, Rudy, take your football and go home, you know, kind of thing. And it it says, well, what if, what if success was actually where the real trouble began? Because what if you got everything and more you could have ever dreamed of, and yet you still feel like you have this big hole in your heart that no amount of success is ever going to feel, fill. And so the rest of that book is about this journey of mine that's giving up achieving as my worth, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, really challenging for an Enneagram type three who kind of feels like that's, that's the mask we had to wear in order to be worthy of love. And so it's about how do we get back to this place where we are rooted in who, what our identity is, who God says we are, what we are, even if all of these other things were stripped away and never happened, what remains. Yeah. Oh, this is good. It's funny you should even bring all this up because I feel like I've been having this conversation so much recently with friends. Mm-hmm. I think just because of where the world is and where 2020 is, you yeah. kind of think like five-year plan, LOL, like <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> and so we get to a place where I'm thinking, oh, I had all these plans and expectations and dreams and goals, and I could hire a Kim and like make it all work. But what then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Okay, like you're saying, so what? So they become all the success that you ever wanted. You got all the Christmas presents that were on your list. Yeah. Now what? Like, what is there next to want and to strive for? Because as uh, like just completely transparently, that's kind of how I feel like I've been created. It's like to look for the next best, mm. which can be dangerous, but also gives me lots of fuel to do things God's called me to do. Oh, yeah. Which is that weird teeter-totter yeah. between oh, my gosh. Yeah. flesh and holy. You know what? I did, a, I did an episode where Knox McCoy was on – Uh, my show. And and he was talking about there's this part in his book where he's like, there's part of me that kind of is like afraid to get healed because what if I get healed? Mm. Then I don't have this energy and drive to go do all the stuff I want to do anymore. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, yes. That's so true. Most of us, like, like we know that we can harness that, you know, relentless, never stop, never stop, never stop, keep running kind of drive. We can harness that into like wild success. And, And there is like this version of like, you know, um, it's kind of like when we make, per- oh, I'm just a perfectionist. Like we make that an attribute instead of perfectionism can be the most advanced form of procrastination and it can keep us paralyzed. Well, we have this version right. of us that can keep us, you know, <laughs> this is a really random reference that I have not brought up in any single episode, <laughs> either on my show or Exclusive to you, BTB people. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it because there we go. Um, there's this really cheesy movie called Bedazzled that has Elizabeth Hurley and Brendan Fraser. And he's essentially being tempted by the devil and she keeps tricking him into 
using up all his wishes. And after he uses like seven wishes or something, he hers, his soul is hers. And I, you know, I mean, it's a cheesy movie, but I feel like there's like, I could see some like C.S. Lewis, like screw tape letter yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so she, she kind of like keeps intentionally um, like miss interpreting his wish you know so he's like oh i wish i like had all this power and she like makes him like a criminal who's like being chased by the police or something like that anyway it doesn't matter she finds um, loopholes she finds loopholes to make him have to keep using the wishes and there's this one scene where earlier in the movie they had gone into this like nightclub that represents just like how fun the party is when like you follow elizabeth hurley and and like this is what this is what your life could look like with me this temptation and then at the end of the movie, he goes back to like find her and like confront her for what she's been doing. And the same people are in the nightclub and you realize that rather than being at the party, they have been condemned to just keep dancing the dance. And sometimes wow. I feel like that's what achieving can be like, is like when it, we, when it controls us rather than the other way around, we're just condemned to keep dancing the dance. Wow. Yeah. Oh, goosebumps. It got there. It was a random start, but it got there. <laughs> no, that's so good. Yes. And I think too, just with the background that you have and that you share in dirt and I mean, everyone's got a background. I like, I like was kind of reading through and I was thinking everyone this is so cool because everyone's got a trailer quote unquote background, like yeah. something that roots them that they're either like not, I mean, Yes. So everyone has roots that they come from. And I think that's why it's so hard to say, okay, like I want to become this person because I know I can be. And I know that sometimes that's who I'm called to be. But how do I do that while still honoring like who I am today and who I've just been created to be, period, Mm -hmm. with the roots? And you've lived, I mean, I just feel like the girl in the trailer, you went to Yale. Wow. Diverse Mm -hmm. from the beginning. And then now you have this photography career, you're married, you just wrote a book, you're an author, the book was literally delivered yesterday to your front porch. <laughs> like, I want to know, with all these different people that I feel like you've kind of fit in to be, how do you, like, with all these versions of yourself, I would mm-hmm. like to say, how do you find the constant? Because for me, when I experience all of those, especially being someone who likes to please and be, be a chameleon and fit into many different aspects of life because I can, I could, I can feel like I get an identity crisis type of situation going yeah. on. And so I want to hear from you, this whole transformation, like how have you still found the Mary to the core that you've been created to be? Yeah. Um, such a good question. Such a good question. So first, before I even kind of dig into that, I just want to quickly go back to this idea of like, we all have dirt and we all have a, a trailer in our story. And for some of you guys listening right now, For some of you, your quote unquote trailer is going to be that you don't feel like you had anything hard in your story and that makes you feel guilty. Yes. Yes. That makes you feel like your story doesn't count because there wasn't anything quote remarkable in it. I had somebody come up to me at a conference once and they were like, oh, I just think like it would be so much easier to come up with my why if I had a story like you, like Mary Moran's, like you have, like, you know, you have this trailer or whatever. And I was like, I need you to stop for a second. I was like, do you realize that comparison is so tricky in our lives? It has just allowed you to now compare our struggles. That's a yeah. that's an interesting place to get. But we question that. Like I went to law school with people like that and and who became friends and I um, you know, just met friends through different like leadership programs where they spend their whole lives trying to do good in the world and do service. And there's nothing in the world wrong with that. But they're doing it from this place of guilt because they grew up in families that had a lot. Hmm. And um, you can, th- those people can no more control the fact that they had a really easy, beautiful story growing up than I can control that I had some hard parts in mind. I also had easy, beautiful parts as well, 
but I had some hard parts as well. And the fact of the matter, what I would say to any of those people listening, because I do think this matters and is important, um, is that I hope that if Justin and I are able to have kids one day, you know, however that happens, I hope that they'll be able to say, I did grow up in a really beautiful, easy story, safe place to land home. And because of that, like springboard, I'm able to go do all this good in the world. So if you're just listening and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I I feel kind of bad because I don't know if I really did have to struggle, just put that aside. Use that as a springboard. The the, the going on to your question of um, what is the constant, um, you know, I think one of the first times I ever heard of this concept of like the authentic you was in this book, um, Simple Abundance. And I'm blanking on the author's name, but maybe it can be in the show notes. Simple Abundance. Yes, I'll put it there. And she talked about how, you know, she used to just like buy all these clothes because it's like what her friends wore or like, um, you know, what what she thought she was supposed to wear to be cute or whatever. And like she so like the whole book is like a 365 devotional basically and and you're sort of walking through each day. So she kind of it's not the whole this is not the whole book, but this one section is about like you know, she used to walk into a store and just get like what was popular and then she'd bring it home and never wear it because it didn't actually like she didn't feel like herself in it. And then she started going yeah. in and just picking up a piece of clothing and looking at it and going, does this feel authentically like me? And it's, it's wow. so simple. But I started doing that and it was like my first area of my life where I started saying, you know, I know right now I'm supposed to be wearing the floppy hat or whatever. For example, I'm not picking up floppy hats, but like I know like what the trend is, right? The 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 fall boots hat and boot, you know, floppy hat or whatever. But like that doesn't feel like me. Like I've always been drawn to more like a classic kind of look or like a preppy sort of look. Like I am not a trendy girl. I'm just not. Like um, anytime I put that on, I feel like – and actually I bought this one floppy hat just to go when we went to Banff. <laughs> you think I am a fraud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I can't I'm do putting this. On, I'm putting on a costume. Um, I bought one of those hats when we were going to Banff and I was like, oh, this is what the Instagram girls do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wear my floppy hat in front of the blue water. <laughs> And I never wore the hat once. I held it in some pictures and like, you know, returned it basically. Um, And so where am I going with that? So that's a really, really surface example of just starting to ask yourself with each decision and each area of your life, like, does this actually feel like me? Like, do I need to decorate my home the way I see in all the pretty bright Instagram colors, you know? Mm. Or do mm-hmm. I actually feel drawn to more like dark colors? That's, these are, again, like really, you know, you could argue surface examples, which always makes me a little uncomfortable because I don't like the surface. Um, but I think sometimes we have to start with baby steps and you can then start to lean into, you know, I know it works to say, stop that scroll, girl, I, this might be controversial or whatever um, right. in your captions. And we're still not very <laughs> below the surface. We're talking about Instagram captions, but let's just keep going. And you can start to feel like, well, that's what you have to do. That's what everybody's doing. So let me do that too. But then I started going, you know what? I That makes me like, it does not feel like me. It does not sound like me. I would not talk that way in, if we were having coffee and it's rainy outside. Right. Yep. So I just started kind of like peeling back the layers decision by decision and saying, you know, um, there is this Mary who has been shaped by every experience. And I quote a lot of movies, especially 80s movies. Because as a little kid, um, you know, my parents worked, so I was home a lot and I would watch a lot of 80s movies, you know. And um, so sort of like the VHS was like, there was like a little bit of like VHS is the babysitter. Like 80s kids were the first kind of generation of kids who sort of grew up that way. And, um, 
you know, I, there are, I actually, in the bonus material I just did for the audiobook, I talk about these different hidden Easter eggs and double meanings you might not have caught the first time. So one of them that's run throughout is, are these homages to Appalachian music or like early, like country, like rockabilly kind of music. So like Johnny Cash is in there, Hank Williams is in there. We talk about like the high lonesome and like the pull of rosin on strings. And so all of these things that are like super quirky to you that you think would like make you feel dumb if other people heard you talk about them, they actually like, they feel like magic to other people when you lean into them because what's happening is like you are letting that authenticity shine and you're letting that unique experience shine. And all of those quirks you think are embarrassing or weird actually become those things other people fall in love with. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. I think like, you know, getting to like what was the constant through my life, it was this sort of constant course correction from who I think I have to be to fit in and belong in this scenario to like, oh, that's exhausting. I can't keep doing it. Who am I actually? And I had to do it yeah. like when I went to law school and when I became a photographer and we started a business, when I became a speaker, you know, even at like, I think by the time, like there, there's God's timing is really beautiful. Cause by the time I was writing a book, I turned 40 in May and man, I've heard people talk about turning 40 before and like just this freedom and like, you've just like run out of whatever that fuel is that makes you people please and perform. <laughs> you're just tired yeah. at that point. Like yeah. you maybe you wish you could still do it, but you're just like, ah, actually the tank's empty. So cool. I'm just gonna have to be me and you're gonna have to be okay. That's with so cool. So yeah. I think that's, it's been like a constant like journey back to who am I actually and what do I actually love? And let's just do that because life's too short. Yeah. And you know, when you meet those people who are just so themselves, mm. it is enlightening and I feel so inspired being around them to be my best me. Yeah. Like I will never forget we were riding to a camp together with a girl in college and um, she introduced me to some of my favorite musicians now because everyone was kind of playing their own playlist and like whoever had the aux cord could play whatever they wanted. And so we were listening to lots of top hits and whatever, like everyone thought they should listen to because that's what was on the radio. And she's like, guys, I've got to introduce you to my favorite people. And so like she plugged it in and I just admired her and still to this day, like think about that moment when it gave me the freedom to be like, you mean I don't have to like this music too? Because I really yeah. don't. You know, like I can, I can, I'm free to be me in a, like in a way that if I don't show my authentic self, I'm doing God a disservice because he created me in a certain way. And if I choose to not operate in that way that I know is, is so dear and true to me, like, okay, I love the example of the house and I don't think it's shallow at all because mm-hmm. we just moved and we're putting together a home and I, I mean, there's, it's a lot bigger of a home than we've ever lived in. Yeah. And it's been provided to us by a military base. So there's lots of white and sterile <laughs> and like outdated <laughs> things. So I kind of have been given a, a, and I can't paint walls. I can't, you know, like you can't do so much with it, but I can like with furniture placement or with a plant or whatever, whatever, I kind of get my own redo yeah. and it's been so fun to kind of go through it and be like, okay, how do we want this house to be? Because it, just even logistically, we can't have visitors. Like, Mm. so how do we, how do we want it to be? And you know what, Mary, it looks so different than our house at home. Not even because of the architectural plan, but just because I don't know, maybe I don't have the pressure to put the house together the way I think other people would enjoy it. I get to Mm. enjoy it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm so convicted in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually I heard, um, I don't know. I can't remember if it was Johnny Cuff or Gary Vaynerchuk, which are two very different characters, but they're both funny at times. And But one of them said, 
if you actually realized how many vacations you plan and when you're in that planning, thinking about booking them phase, the thing you're doing is picturing in your head the Instagram posts you'll get from it. Man, like, is that not a reality check? You know, it's like that kind of thing. It's like, am I going to... Oh, I don't know. I'm not even like trying to pick on anything because like, listen, if there's something that just like, I also think you can't, you know, feel like you can't do something because it's popular. Like that's also being, you know, constrained by what other people are doing. But like, if there is just like a place that you want to go, um, whether it's popular or not, or a way that you want to decorate or a thing that you want to wear or a thing that you want to write or something you want to start sharing about on Instagram, like, I mean, I could talk for hours about this, my frustration with this trend of faux vulnerability as a commodity uh-huh. versus oh, like girl. true vulnerability, Oof. Yes, you yes, know, because yes. like that faux vulnerability is what you think you have to do to play the game. You know, it's mm-hmm. the only thing that will make people stop scrolling. Oh, it's a chess move. Yeah. 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 And I think it's so dangerous because you are you know, pouring your heart out and you're maybe getting some like dopamine hits of like interaction on day one, but like who's doing life with you on day two, you know? So anyway, I guess like that's a little bit of a side issue, but that's just sort of like my heart for, we really, we can, if we're not careful, we can spend our whole lives playing a game only to get to the end of it, realizing we were playing Monopoly instead of life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Monopoly money. It's like, oh, great. Like having a lot of Instagram followers is like being really rich in Monopoly money. It's like, go cash that in somewhere. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. I guess, I guess like I just have spent enough of my life playing the game and chasing the things. And I'm just sort of, I'm ready for like whatever act this is in life, second act, whatever. Um, to only be around the people that give me life, you know, um, only do the things that I like truly come alive doing only like, you know, I can walk into a room and just sort of say like, I like X, Y, and Z. This is me. Like it, like it. And the people who don't, don't. And man, I'm just really, I'm really excited about what that looks like. (laughs) I'm jealous. That is so not the speed my age is is operating at. Mm. I would love it. Maybe, hey, maybe I can lead Maybe I can lead my people that direction because that sounds fun. I do want to like go more into this idea because I think it's um, really important that we, that I honestly hear from you on this kind of like as a big sister kind of thing. Because I'm curious, like now that there is this really beautiful part in this place of like where you've been and then we've been kind of talking about who you're becoming there's a lot of times for me where I think about where I've been and I don't want to stay there, right? Like I've identified that that's not a place I want to continue to be in, but but it is a part of who I am. How do we like move forward and become the people that we would love to be? And like I was saying earlier, that we feel called to be and do the things without feeling like we're betraying that person mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Because there's a lot that in, in my past that I, I acknowledge and I nod my head at, but I'm not going back to that, Rachel. So like, how do we continue um, without feeling the shame of, oh, I've been or I've done or I've seen or I've heard mm-hmm. or you feel so loyal to that that you feel odd moving forward? Um, yeah, I love that question. And like to the extent that you're comfortable, do you, do you feel like there's like an example that you could give me of just sort of like, is it is it more like the people pleasing or like the, the achieving for worth or like, um, like what yeah. are some things? Yeah. Yeah, so um, some listeners might 
know this and some listeners are new and might not, (laughs) but I actually lost my dad in high school really randomly, like in a rock climbing accident. And after that, because of who he was in our community and because of who our family was, I just felt like there was a way I had to grieve. And, Mm -hmm. um, because I chose not to grieve that way, which I, I mean, now I know grieving's a monster. Like, there's no way to, to grieve. <laughs> that's yeah. a right way to grieve. I mean, obviously, you'll walk away with consequences if you choose to do something that's dangerous. But I, I'm, at that point, I don't feel like I had full control of actions. That sounds irresponsible, but I just don't. But um, I, after coming out of that, feel like I have I made decisions or made friendships or didn't make decisions and didn't form relationships I feel like I should have to where today obviously I am who I am because of what I've been through and mm-hmm. because of who my dad was but also forming a, a Rachel 2.0 from experience and honestly like I was saying getting a redo being like okay like we we're saying earlier everything's been stripped away so now that I'm not Bill's daughter who am I yeah or like god forbid something happened to my husband because I saw it happen to my mom like okay without Thomas, who am I? Like, if everything was stripped away, who am I going to be? And sometimes I feel like I'm betraying my old self because I had a vision of what I would be today and who I would be that I'm not. And that's just because of life. But I also have those places I don't, like I said, I have to nod at and kind of acknowledge I've been there. I've done that. I've seen things. I made relationships and had to break up with relationships I never should have had in the first place but how do I operate today being Rachel 2.0 best version of me while that's also a a part of me I can't just cut off yeah um so I'm sorry to ask one more question I feel like I'm like this is good (laughs) I'm like this is not my interview Mary (laughs) coming on my show for an interview I will be able to um but I just I really love to like this is how when when people do like workshops or mentoring sessions with me I I really truly am a big believer that like while there are universal truths like I want to know specifics before I give an answer so one more kind of like follow-up question is like yeah you said this line, I'm not the me I thought I was going to be. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So can you tell yeah. me a little bit more about who you thought you were going to be? Yeah, I think in that moment before I had the, hmm, you mean I could be anything? You know, that moment, mm-hmm. I really thought I would be, um, this sounds crazy because it's just, it's just so not me anymore. <laughs> I really thought I would be like in New York or somewhere super far away from home, like LA, maybe even single and being okay with it, but being like, a kick booty, mm. like still a wearing corporate girl. And that's mm. what I really wanted to be something mm. in design world or even something like marketing corporate and how opposite my life is today is funny. I'm a military wife. I'm on the go. I have a portable job. I love my podcast. Yeah. I'm married and like, I would love to be a mom. It's just so funny but that's what that like our experience puts life in perspective so that we do have the freedom and the deep breath of yeah. surrender and being like okay lord obviously i don't know what's happening next you did only do so would you please do with my life what you would because mm. i don't even want the control anymore yeah. and what he's done with it's been beautiful but it is hard sometimes to think back and i feel like the enemy uses that like oh, oh but yeah. you could have been mm. you know yeah. and i'm just so curious from having the past that yeah, yeah, you've had like, what does that look like for you to almost reconcile in your brain? Like, it is okay for me to be this without feeling like you're betraying. Yeah. Oh, Mary 1.0 or Rachel 1.0. Totally, totally. Now, so yeah, now I have a really good picture. Good, 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 good. Okay. So, <laughs> um, gosh, I have so many things to say to that. Cause, I mean, first of all, like, um, 
you know, there's this moment, right, where I get into Yale Law School and like my, um, you know, dad has like worked really, really hard for me to have a better life my whole life. And I got to imagine yeah. that when he knew I was getting into Yale Law School, he was like, done. Like we've made yes. it. Like she's set. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's, you know, we have, we have made that change in our, you know, family tree. And when I'm graduating law school, I have offers at a London law firm and a New York law firm, two different firms for $140,000 to start plus bonuses, plus benefits. Plus it would like go up dramatically the second year. And, you know, they are courting us hard. Justin and I, um, we were engaged at the time. So they're like bringing us to like, you know, they shut down the London eye to have a cocktail hour for the firm. And like they, you know, in New York, wow. they took us to the <laughs> and like some hidden like, you know, speakeasy rooftop bar and like, just like all of these, like, I mean, they, it was like the world at your feet kind of a thing, you know, in, in a lot of ways comes back to our early conversation about bedazzled and temptation. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so anyway, um, did not think I was going to talk about that movie today. Now I'm going to have to rewatch it tonight. Anyway. So like, <laughs> I know that feeling of like, you're on this path and it feels like, are you seriously going to turn this down? Because you had success within your grasp and that would have been so honoring to that sacrifice to like the people who worked really hard so that you could have that decision. And instead we decided to start a wedding photography business. And let me tell you something right now, there were people, not, not a lot of people, but there was one person in particular, maybe two people in particular, you know, um, who back home and, and I will, let me just give this loud disclaimer, 99.99999% of people from home were wildly supportive of everything that we've done. But right. there were like, you know, two people who like, I think took a lot of glee in the fact that the small town girl who went to Yale law was suddenly mm -hmm. going to like not be a lawyer and was going to be like this, like, has she like snapped a little, is she going to be a wedding photographer? Like what? Mm -hmm. Um, and then to like start from nothing and build up again to the business that we had and the courses that we had and all of that. And then now to pivot again with, to being an author. So I fully understand this being on the brink of the life that you thought you were going to have and everybody else sort of expected of you as well. And to get the courage to go, I think I'm going to change my mind. And I, and, and like, it's okay if I change my mind because I get one wild and precious life and no way can I be committed to spending the rest of my life doing something just because, mm, you know, it was what was expected of me. Now, yes, the top of that list is you. No way can you commit yourself to doing something for the rest of your life just because a previous version of you expected, you know, that of you. We cannot worship the God who changes hearts and changes lives and have a problem with change. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's good, yeah. Okay to change our minds. It is okay. Like, I mean, I just think of that scene of like the potter and the clay and like how many times the potter is just like breaking the clay apart and building something new. Same clay, different shape. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's good. Like we worship a God of transformation. We worship a God of refinement. We worship a God where we are perpetually becoming closer to the us that we were always originally intended to be. And we probably won't even see the full version of until, you know, on the side of heaven. And so I just think like, um, there's so many instances of like, God, like, well, I don't know about so many instances, but I can think of one instance of God changing his mind. You know, God's like, oh, I'm mad at you people. I'm going to flood the land. And then Noah's in the ark and he's like, oh, geez, maybe not. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't have done that. Here, here's a rainbow and a bird and, and I won't do that again. You know what I mean? And so I yeah. feel like. Oh, I just feel like sometimes what we feel is like, oh, I didn't live up to what I was supposed to is like God being like, oh, child, like 
what if I would have given you that? Look at what you would have missed out on. Yes. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. 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 I think it's so funny because we only really operate in the here now mm-hmm. or we, we can't, I mean, I can't, I'll say this for me. I cannot, for some reason, like think of my future while also considering my past. It's really hard for me to do that. And I have to be super diligent, quiet, still, no distractions in order to even start that. And I think it's so funny because when I think like what I was just saying, the question I had, like, I am only really considering either past Rachel and like, hey, did I impress, like, am I doing good to that 16-year-old girl who had big dreams for the 25-year-old I am today? Or I'm I'm thinking of like the retired Rachel where I'm thinking, is this what, is this what's going to make me that, you know, is this right here right now? What is this pleasing to her, the 50 year old Rachel, Mm. you know, or is this going to impress her one day thinking back? And what's so funny is I don't, because we don't have that full scope, full story picture, because that's something only God can give us is that, that revelation Mm. is so beautiful because it causes us to surrender and ask him instead of ask us, like ask the Lord, what is it? Like, am I pleasing you? And for him to be like, oh, child. Oh yeah. You know, or, Hey, let's consider like redirecting our course by a few degrees. Mm. And it's only in that moment you can have a, okay, cool. Like what's next moment that doesn't feel so pressurized because it's not up to you. You know what I think is cool is what about what you just said is this like redirecting your course by a couple of degrees. So the way angles work is like one or two degrees at the origin point is doesn't feel very big at all. But when you expand that angle out, you end up in an entirely different trajectory, right? So yes. if you think about like drawing the arms of an angle out, you know, a 10 degree angle versus a 12 degree angle, the end points of that other arm end up in a totally different place. Just from these. I love this because my husband's a pilot. Ooh, and so that yes. it works that way. Like you put in coordinates and if you're two degrees off where you start, yeah. you end up miles or states off, depending on how far yeah. you fly yeah. from your destination. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, um, and this is something I've heard of f- from a few different people. And I'm, I'm wondering, and I feel like we Probably both, we all, everybody listening need to think about this. But like, where does, when you think of 80-year-old Rachel, like, where do you picture yourself? Oh, I hope, like, with Thomas, just old and gray, rocking a rocking chair on like a front porch, just like watching grand, great, grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And then fill that in just a little bit more, because I think like, you know, like, that's like the dream, first of all. And then just fill it in a little bit more (laughs) in terms of like, um... And I'll give my answer to you here in a second because this is fun. Um, Like fill in a little bit more in terms of like, um, you know, like maybe like a thing that you can hold in your hands that you created or a story you can tell or a place that you went. Like what are some of those things? Yeah, I would love to have something like even a book or Mm -hmm. something that I can say that I did or I wrote so that other people besides people in my family, like my, my people right next to me can know and see of like the goodness of God of what he did in my life. So it, it hopefully encourages them to be bold and obedient and do scary, scary things because he's called them to and be okay with worst fears happening and best things happening and everything in between. And I just, I would love for me to know that I made a difference on the kingdom because of my boldness or my own comfort or mm. stewardship of my time. And what it sounds like is nothing, none of the chapters in that book were going to be titled Stilettos, you know, in New York City. Correct. Yes, you know? yes. So like this little course correction might be this huge explosion of an angle 
that drives right, you right so into good. that book. And for me, you know, I think of like, I kind of picture us like Justin and I um, in the house. This is a very big house. So nobody judge me for this. Uh, but I love this house, <laughs> the house from it. Something's got to give that Diane Keaton lives in. And I'm kind of living her life minus the whole like, you know, dating Jack Nichols, <laughs> Nicholas, Nicholson. and I always get that wrong. <laughs> One's a golfer. Um, you know, but this, this beautiful house and she walks on the beach and she writes, she's a playwright, a screen a playwright in the movie. But I picture me just like walking with my golden retrievers and like um, writing my book and then like children and grandchildren come over and there are books on the shelf that I wrote and stories I can tell of people who found God in the darkest places of their lives and the muddiest places of their lives and freedom from shame in their stories and reconciliation with people they never thought they could forgive because of some words on a page. Now, so good. when yeah. I think of that, I don't worry about London law firms and, you know, yeah. upper cocktail East parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, spam a lot, whatever. The London, I, I don't worry about like Upper East Side apartments and the, and the proper public, you know, private schools or whatever. I think about rolling up my sleeves, clearing the calendar, clearing the schedule and wrestling with the words that God has been asking me to write for 40, some, 40, 40 years and a few months, although they're already written. So we'll just say 40 years. Um, and one of the things that I talk about in the book, coming back to Kim, you know, Kim, her whole thing is that the goals we set are not about what we're achieving. They're about who we're becoming. And so mm -hmm. she did, th there's this real life scene that I describe where she's sitting where I am at my kitchen island and she, we have, she's called the whiteboard room. So we have a big piece of whiteboard poster paper and we're, you know, whiteboarding out all the goals for 2020, um, maybe 2019 actually. And, um, well, I'm telling her, you know, like, Oh, like none of this is like making me feel like I thought it would. And we're getting into like achieving as my oxygen and perf perfectionism as the penance I feel like I have to pay to show up in any room. And she like lists out all the goals. And then she's like, imagine none of these happen next year. Imagine they are all gone. And she like bangs hard on my name. And she's like, who is Mary without any of this other stuff? And I go, before I could even think about it, it just came blurting out. I go, nothing. And I was like, oh, wow. we've got some yeah. work to do. Uh -huh. You know, because it felt that way. And I knew what she was going for. I knew I was supposed to say like, I am loved as a child of God. And I believe that, but I wasn't acting like it. You know, oh, I wasn't yeah. acting like That's that good. had gotten into my heart. And so when I think about the, you know, starting at the end and working backwards, I do not get stressed about law firms I didn't go to or, you know, I mean, at the, at the height of our career, we were the top of our industry. You know, there there wasn't a person we couldn't reach out to or, you know, a stage that we hadn't spoken on in our industry, basically. And that business was thriving. And for us to walk away from that and start over yet again with me being an author and be brand new again. Um, I do not stress about that this time because I know that's me being obedient and yeah. obedience rarely has anything to do with what the world tells you you should be doing. I know that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, this is freeing for me. And I pray that oh, people listening are just kind of like relaxing their shoulders, like mm -hmm. just nodding like, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Because we know it, but sometimes it makes such a difference to hear it. Yeah. Because I, cause I can pet myself up as much as I would like to think I can. And then I hear it from you and it means something whole, it means something different to know, okay, you believe this too, not yeah. just me. Okay. And it's working great. Like I, I'll sign up again, you know? Yeah. 
I want to hear more about this book of yours. What is this book you're going to write? What what is the concept? (laughs) What is the title? We have a whole other Oh, girl, we don't even know yet. That's why I need Kim. Kim, help me. Yes. Um, I'm telling you. It's like I know and I've gotten visions of it and I'm so excited for it. And I have people ask about it. And I'm like, I I know. Like, I I know this is going to exist and it's going to form just as far as the, the start. It's not even like an intimidation or I don't have the time because God knows I've got lots of time right now in the season. Mm. It's a, I just, I just know what it's like to mess something up because I'm so hungry for the success of it that I look back 75% after it's completed and think, oh, I didn't even ask God in the first place and it's not even supposed to be this way. Mm. And I have to just like crumple it up and start again. And so not, I just, I think I'm going about it in like such more reverence than I would have because of their projects, I've just kind of gone about it flippantly to say I did it, mm, that yeah. I really want to be careful and I just haven't gotten a green light yet, but I know it's going to be a thing. So I'm excited and collecting notes on my phone of ideas and things I say and dream, but good question. Cause I don't even know. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be great. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying about like, let me go to God first on this. Let me get, cause like <laughs> one of the biggest differences between draft one of my book and, and the draft people can hold in their hands now, this final draft, um, is this but, but God moment we were talking about before we hopped on of sort of the turning of the page between draft one and the final pay, the final draft and and who I was going into writing the book and who, what I feel like now in this just like spacious green place of freedom is this but God moment. And the, every single day at the end of draft one until draft you know, final was turned in two months later, mm-hmm. I literally had to start every single day saying, God, please be my co-author. And by that I meant, um, you write it and I'll transcribe. Cool. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll be wow. your I'll be your like court reporter. Um, and there's this great scene Anne Lamott talks about in Bird by Bird, where she just sort of has to like show up at the typewriter, and she describes like Muse, I guess, for lack of a better word, as like this little boy who's like her little boy is like down in the cellar and he's like playing with like cutting paper dolls, and every now and then he like passes one up through the floorboards, and it's her job to just grab them and turn them into words on the page. And so like in my head, when I was like, please show up and please be my co-author, to me, the image of that was God and little Mary. They were hanging out in the attic. I don't know why attic versus cellar, but they were. And they were like, every so often they would just pass me down a paper doll. And it was my job to get that on the page. And um, so I I think there's like that first part of like showing up and saying, God, be my co-author. God, be in this with me. But then there's also this resistance of when we know we're supposed to go do a thing, but it's so daunting that keeps most of us stuck from doing it and it sounds like there's a little bit of that in there as well so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna connect you with kim and anybody listening reach out to kim the whiteboard room and you know there's mm, because like i think the other thing god says to us is like you're waiting for me to draw you a blueprint and i'm asking for you to walk through the door do you know what i mean like i'll tell you the other rooms once we're in it or go you know climb the staircase all the analogies whatever and um that can keep us stuck so I feel like there's a book in you and that needs to happen. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is your interview. Stop it. <laughs> I'm supposed to be hyping you up. Mm-hmm. I do. I want to know, like, where can people find you, get their hands on the book? Because obviously they're thrilled and they're so excited about what it's about and all these things that she's saying in the podcast, guys. It's legit and real and it's bound in a book and you can have it sitting on a shelf, which I'd highly recommend for anyone that's just interested in claiming their roots and knowing there's more and living in that in the process. 
this is seriously for you. So mm-hmm. Mary, will you brag on yourself and tell us <laughs> where we can find you and your book? Well, I'll tell you what I will, what I will brag on is I'll brag on God because um, there's not a doubt in my mind. So many times I sat down at the computer and I was like, I have nothing left in me. I don't even know what I would write about today. And then an hour later, there's this whole section that I'm just like in love with. And I'm like, wow, good job, God, because that so didn't cool. come for me. That's for sure. Um, wow. So the book dirt is the story of me growing up in a trailer, going to Yale Law School, like I said, that's just this jumping off point. It's really a journey to where does our worth come from and making peace with our past and realizing that the story we always thought felt like a shackle around our ankles holding us back that we like couldn't tell other people because they would have the sympathy shame on our behalf and turn their faces from us, that that story is not a shackle. That story is are these roots that when they grow down in the ground beneath us, that is what gives us life. It's what gives us strength. That what It's what gives us backbone. It's what makes us stand up tall and reach our arms toward heaven. And when you can own that story as the source of strength and the source of roots, that is how you get to stand tall among the giants. And, and your arms become this like worship song, like I said. And so it's divided between the girl in the trailer, the girl after the trailer. It is for every girl, every woman who grew up in a trailer, who grew up without a lot, or you've had something in your story where you feel like it disqualifies you. You are walking around with that heavy cloak or coat of shame from it. And you just feel like you constantly have to be perfect just as a bare standard to walk into any room. This book is freedom from that. It's my journey of freedom from that. And what we're hearing from every single person, we just released it into the launch team. We've already had people finish it in like 36 hours. Uh, it is a, it is written like a page turner. I will say that it's like a, almost reads like a novel is we are hearing from people. It's your, it's so crazy how it's your story, how it's like a story that's so different from mine, but I see myself on every page. So this mm-hmm. is, this is not my story. This is our story. This is for all wow. of us who feel like, um, this, these, these muddy parts, leaving fingerprints on our lives, hold us back when really all along, they were the thing that was giving you the grit to stand into what you were called to. So you can find it at thebookdirt.com, except we're actually going to put together a special URL just for your listeners. That's thebookdirt.com forward slash behind the bliss. And so that'll have some fun surprises just for those guys. Yay. One of the things you say in your book that I think is so brilliant, you said, um, I mean, I hope I can say it as well as you because I don't have it in front of me. You said basically you're becoming who you are, not in spite of where you've been, but because Mm -hmm. of where you've been. Yeah. And that little chunk gave me so much hope of like, yes, it's not, I'm not proving anything to anyone or myself even. I'm doing it because of what I've walked through and because of those muddy fingerprints like you're talking about. So good, guys. um, A moment of freedom for me, a real moment of freedom for me was, you know, I've spent way too much of my life wishing I could snap my fingers and like Freaky Friday with somebody else who had like a really easy story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that moment that I kind of like, had this sort of like aha moment of like, wait, but if I did that, if I just snapped my fingers and traded places with an easy story person, I would also have to give up every bit of grit, tenacity, empathy, kindness, you know, like hard stories are like this progressively finer grit of sandpaper that rounds off hard edges. And the moment that my grit and empathy and tenacity were worth more to me than an easy story, that was the moment I knew that I was starting to really find that freedom. 
girl, I'm like, I can't cut you off. <laughs> we, have, look, we have to keep going. <laughs> okay. One of my favorite questions that, I mean, I guess that's just why people have to get the book, right? Like, yes, that's right. Because they get it there and they can listen to you on your own podcast. Mm-hmm. And we will link all of that and more in the show notes. So if you just need more Mary like me right now, then <laughs> you can find her. She's everywhere and she's awesome. <laughs> but I, one of my favorite questions to ask at the end of every show, and I feel like you've got a good one, <laughs> is what's something that you're loving right now? Like, is there a favorite thing that you have to share? Mm, yes. Okay. So um, about a week ago, a friend of mine, because um, she also grew up in a trailer like I did, and we have similar stories, and we've often encouraged one another as a, the, the the girls after the trailer. Um, I was just telling her about a lot of these like lies and these fears and these attacks in my head that were coming. And she was just basically like saying like, you know, this is why we need you to show up. And she sent me this song called The Story I'll Tell, and it's from Maverick City Music. And it's beautiful. And I just sobbed and wept the first 10 times listening to it. And it's just talking about, um, you know, it's like, oh, 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 I'm not going to sing it for you guys, but oh, 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 my God did not fail. Oh, 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 is the story I'll tell. Oh, 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 it is well. Oh, 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 that's the story I'll tell. And it's talking about um, even in the ruins, you're the God who's proving that you're the God who comes through. And it's about when we realize the story we're telling is a testimony about how God was in every part of it, how even if other people turned their faces from you, he did not. He drew closer. Um, we realize this, that our stories are not just our stories. They're our testimony. And they, that I, there's a whole chapter in the book called Stories Change Stories, which is a quote from a photographer named Esther Havens. Um, that when we are willing to share our hard stories, it becomes the roadmap for other people to freedom. So the story I'll tell, Maverick City Music. The story I'll tell, I will tell you what, I love Maverick City Music so, so much. Promises and um, I think it's Man of Your Word Mm. are the two that I love so much. Oh, I love how spontaneous they are. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can tell it's so spirit-filled and it's not lyrics until it comes through the microphone kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. oh, it's so beautiful. Mary, (laughs) we are good friends now. It's official. We got to tell Nicole and Natalie, like, this went great. Can't wait. (laughs) We love them so much. I'm so grateful that they got to connect us. Me too. Thank you so, so much for having me. What a huge honor. And just thank you so much for sharing me with your people. And I hope that everybody listening that you um, got something out of this and that this blessed you in some way. And I'm just so thankful you took the time to listen. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.